Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the making of it. Barnes has come in. And welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. My name is Matt Meziano, and I'm joined by Jordan Weimer and Tom Burdell to discuss, oh my goodness, a third away victory of 2023. Uh, guys, how are you doing first before we get into it? Jordan? Yeah, doing very well. Uh, good to be back again. These these three game weeks always come always come fast, don't they? So, uh, oh, I guess we mm. didn't do the first. We did two games together, didn't we? Either we way, did. it seems like we were just recording. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, good to good to be here talking about a uh, another positive Watford result. Indeed, Tom. Yeah, it does feel like we're talking all the time at the minute, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's it's much more enjoyable this season, I have to say, than than last season, where it felt like a bit of a drag when we had games on games. So no, all good here, mate. No complaints from my side. I didn't catch it live, but I watched it back this afternoon on Y Scout. So um, that was a, a fairly fun way to spend an hour or so. Nice one. Yeah, I was stuck in London trying my best to find somewhere where I could watch the game. Uh, I unfortunately didn't manage to achieve that. So. That was a shame. But um, if anyone out there knows of a place where one can watch a Watford game, perhaps there's a a pub that favours Watford and will put the game on no matter what through various sources, then put that link towards us because I'd love to know if there's something that I can get to on these these occasional days when I can't get to to, to a screen of my own. Um, Right. Well, anyway, straight into the whole city game then. And uh, I think the first thoughts that we had when we when we saw the lineup was, oh, it's uh, exactly the same. Not even a goalkeeper change, Jordan. Yeah, I think that was the big one, wasn't it? Um, the decision to to leave Backman out once available, and you know, it was it was uh, potentially that kind of maybe punishment's a harsh harsh word, but obviously Hamer took the opportunity in the last game, and you know, this is what happens if you're if you're unavailable. These things can happen if you're down Backman, so. I mean, it was a slightly controversial one, but I think it's probably split. Was it evenly, or would you say people are more in favour of the of the change or the continuing with Hamer or not? 
I think that has probably changed post hole um, compared to pre hole. What do you think, Tom? It's been a wild week, hasn't it? In in so many ways. I said when we uh, we discussed Daniel Batman, it's like a, a a standing item on the agenda now, isn't it? Daniel Batman, one way or another. <laughs> um, and I said after the Norwich game. What a great week to be Daniel Backman, even though he's been sent off because Ben Hamer's done absolutely nothing to suggest that he can take over as number one. Um, cue him being included ahead of Backman on Saturday and then saving a penalty to essentially win us the game. Um, yeah, that just shows that I haven't got the first clue what I'm talking about is when it comes to goalkeepers, which may or may not be news to people. I think uh, it's, as I, as I tweeted at the time, it feels pretty significant, right? That Valerian Ishmael himself and the kind of hierarchy above him have made a big point about discipline being something of his uh, that's that's important and that, you know, be part of the reason he was brought in and be part of the reason he was given a new contract. And so I think it's a, you can't take it to be anything other than significant when he d- decides to leave his captain out. You know, he has been untouchable in this in this, in this season, at least. Daniel Batman, captain, number one goalkeeper, five-year contract behind him. It doesn't get much more secure than that. But I think Ishmael has shown a you know, fairly kind of sizable pair of stones to um, to make that decision. And, and at the moment, it's, it's paid off. Yeah, I think there's also the element of um, you know giving some giving Batman some real accountability to his actions too. You know, you have to he has to understand that if he's going to be putting himself in a position to miss games, it doesn't come without consequence, or at least the consequence can be greater than just the the absence of one game. And you know, I think Hamer, obviously the the, the penalty save you know boosts a lot of the feelings on him, but he did well enough. And you know, Batman has had moments, but he's not been, it's not like he's been this outstanding, undroppable player. So he's, he's been just, you know, around that kind of middling average point where if you get a competent backup come in, you know, no people aren't screaming for Dan to come straight back into the starting 11. So yeah, you know, maybe there's a, an element of, um, of personality in there, but you know, it, it's tough to say Backman can be abrasive to the referee, but I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what the feeling on the, on him is from the rest of the squad. But mm. So Tom, does this mean that it's, Ben Hamer's shirt to lose, or do you think that Backman comes back in uh, after he's served his, um, I don't know, you've been a naughty boy on the naughty step type uh, type well, I scenario? Think, I think that's quite an apt way of framing it, to be honest with you, because if, if Backman comes back in now for Southampton, then you, you would say, well, it was just a bit of a slap on the wrist, you know, on the naughty step for a week, Um but, you know, no real harm done. Don't do it again. Ruffle his hair, you know, your little scamp kind of thing. Uh, if if he thinks he needs to be dropped at all, and he evidently did, then I think it needs to be, yeah, a proper kind of, you're out of the, we're going to take you out, whether it's kind of couched as internally as we're taking you out the firing line for a bit. Or no, Ben Hamer's now the guy I've got more trust in, or as you say, kind of a better fit for the team, kind of karma, whatever it may be. I think I think he has to have the courage of his convictions. He's done the hard bit now and, and dropped him for a game, um, and 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 do that. And I think it's also probably a bit more of a natural way of uh, a- approaching the captaincy thing that you know you've not been stripped of the captaincy. You've been you've come out of the team for a few weeks, well, however long it ends up being. I'm sure it won't be the rest of the season. I'd be staggered if it was the rest of the season. You know, you come out the the team for the rest of the week and, and someone else has taken over as, as captain in, in the meantime. But 
I think, yeah, I think it is Ben Ben Hamer's shirt to lose. I think if we've, as you say, learned anything with loser, he he picks on uh, on merit rather than reputation. And I think we've all, at one time or another, cried out for that with um, managers. So uh, I'm I'm all, I'm all for it, despite being president of the Daniel Batman fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll be getting some emails from from Batman wondering what's happening there. Um, let's let's take a quick moment just to talk about that penalty save because it was a very good one. Um, if, if we analyse it, it was a, a decent shot in the corner, maybe not quite as far as in the corner as some have made out, but it was uh, a pretty well hit shot. Um, what did you make of it, Jordan? Did you did you rate it at the time? Yeah, it's a good save. You know, I think um, I think he did well. You know, it was it, it was never easy obviously but if you're going to go to that side you've got to commit and he, he does pretty well to, to kind of extend and and get a strong hand to it so you know it's it, penalty saves are always an interesting one to to judge a keeper on but I mean no real complaints obviously he he looked pretty confident and you know once he once he kind of saw he was going that direction he didn't even look close it was a very very solid save I thought it was interesting that you made a comment on Twitter uh, something around the fact that uh, he'd always gone that side is that right, Jordan? But um, when yeah. when Ben Hamer was asked after the game, um, uh, you know, how did you know which way to dive? He said that he didn't know that he hadn't looked at any of Philogene's uh, uh, shots before, um, and so it was just a, a, I don't know. He just kind of felt it was going to go in that direction. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of, I kind of assumed they'd done a little bit of homework there. Maybe you got lucky, I guess. But you know, I think there's also the element of um, when the player is stand, his run up was pretty short. Um, just his body position, his angle on the ball, and his, his how far away he was from the ball for a right foot player. He always kind of looked more likely to drag that ball across to the, to the bottom corner, as to have my intuition from it. But um, so maybe that's enough that, that that Hamer kind of felt that off the off the body language and went for it. It was a, you know, I think oftentimes it can be underutilized, disguising the uh, the run up a little bit more and, and make it a little bit harder for the keeper because it, it it looked like the probability that um, he'd be dropping it into that corner. Thankfully, he was. And a significant moment in time, Tom. I think the other significant thing about that was that he got it around, he got it away and out for a corner. Um, you know, so often you see penalties, don't you, that they make the save and then it follows up and that's that. Um, I think given the way the second half panned out, they'd had quite a bit of possession. They hadn't necessarily done much with it and it wasn't certainly wasn't a case of Hamer's goal being peppered with efforts, but I reckon had they equalised, uh, sorry, equalised, gone ahead at that point, then it might have been a very, a very different game. I suspect their tails would have been up. So yeah, it was, it was the real kind of the turning point in the in the in the match, wasn't it? I mean, it looked it to me, right? I the, I don't think Livermore could have any complaints, to be honest. He trailing leg catches him, doesn't it? Was it Tyler Morton? He caught. I couldn't quite tell who it was, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any issue with it. I must admit. The only question I had on it was that it seemed as though he was stopping himself, and when contact was made, there was a slight delay between the contact touching the player and the player going down, suggesting the player was sort of like for a moment thinking, "Oh, hang on a second, I've been touched here. If I go down quick enough." I can maybe get this one. I think there's a bit and, of clumsiness uh, in there, wasn't there as well, from, from Livermore. It was just a little bit slow, a little bit laboured. 
Yeah, it, yes, yes. And to be honest, if that's gone, you know, against the Watford player in the box, I'm asking for that penalty all day long. So I am not surprised that uh, that they asked for it and that they got it. And, it, you know, now we can say that, uh, that it was saved. We don't feel too badly about it being given, do we? But um, it, it should have been given upon reflection. So, yeah, fair enough. Bonus train in there in the background too. Did, do we do we establish if that was, did we establish if that was a train noise last episode? I forgot to, I didn't listen back to that. Um, I didn't hear a train, but uh, you know what? I didn't hear one just then as well. So Tom, can you confirm, was uh, there a train? Well, I did. I'll be the adjudicator. I did hear that ah, uh, one just there. Okay, okay so that's uh, one nil to Jordan on the train. So- yeah, that's one. <laughs> on the train uh, recognition. I'll put a little scratch on my wall here next to me, lucky. <laughs> that's it. Um, it all started off very well, actually, for Watford that game. Uh, another goal for Kiembe, who is going from strength to strength. Yeah, another another good game for him, I think, right? he The position that he popped up in to score, you wouldn't have seen him in last season or even probably at the start of this season. But this kind of role change has, has freed him so much to do that. And he's shown a, a real knack for getting in the box and the timing of his runs and so on. And he had another chance later in the, um, later in the game from memory as well, from a similar kind of area, kind of cut back, um, which I think he plonked way, way over the bar from memory. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm not misremembering this. I hope I'm not, um, that he put kind of comfortably over the bar, but yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was another really good, um, really good game from him. I think the thing that kind of, was impressive as well was that the way that he and Kone both pressed as well. They both seemed to get much higher up the field out of position as did Ryovic and, and really do a lot of defensive work off the ball, you know, in terms of that defensive shape and trying to make life hard for Hull to, to play out, which is what they wanted to do. So, you know, it was a real all round performance from him. Um, and as I tweeted in the week, he could go to AFCON with Congo and, you know, at the start of the season, you would have assumed that if we lost any midfielder to AFCON, it would be Imran loser. And and now it's the other way yeah. around. And you're thinking, oh, bloody hell, that's going to be a blow if we, uh, if we miss out on uh, on him for potentially a month or so. Yeah, he's been on the fringes of their squad, but it could obviously take 25, yeah. can't they? So he's probably going to go. Yeah, exactly. Which would be a bit of a blow. You're right. Um, I think we might have to look at something in, in January if, if that is to be the case. Right? Certainly if both of them go. You would think, um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely a concern. Which you know, um, Jordan, another one along with Kiembe, who had a decent game and actually set up that goal was Jamal Lewis. Um, he spent a lot of time underlapping Ken Semmer. Uh, how how effective was he um, in that game? It, you know, it seems like he's another one that's been going from strength to strength recently, and um, I think he deserves a bit of time from us talking about him. Yeah, no, he he was he. Um... He had another good game. I think we've started to see the, a, a lot more from him in, in recent weeks. I think against Norwich too, him and him and Ken down the left were quite effective. We've become um, quite heavily focused on that left-hand side. And a, a big part of that is down to, to Lewis's movement as well. He looks much more controlled. You know, we talked about when he when he came to the, to the club online, we thought, you know, looking at his time, especially at Norwich, he's someone that wants to be on the ball. He wants to be involved in build-up and, and that'd be something he'd really thrive upon. Um, we're starting to see that a little bit, so it, it's good to see. Um, as you say, you mentioned there, kind of underlapping, getting into those central positions. We started to see that a little bit more, you know, introducing that um, that role of the the inverted fullback back into the team. 
Um, and he's one that really benefits from that. And that was something in general, you know, I think we, we discussed previously talking about kind of the direction of this team. And I think it was maybe in relation to a, a question that had been asked um, in terms of what kind of route or, or kind of progression we're, we're seeing or going to see from this team this season. And, you know, I was a little bit pleasantly surprised overall, just the fact that we were starting to introduce some elements of that early season football into this more, um, slightly more conservative style that we've adapted to, you know, after a few kind of shaky results and performances early on. So I think we are starting to see more of a blending than I, than I initially thought. And a big part of that is is coming from the, the likes of Lewis. And on the pressing point that Tom picked up on a few moments ago, um, was that something that you think, caught the whole manager by surprise because if he'd seen any of Watford's previous away fixtures it wouldn't have been something that he would have been looking out for from this game right yeah I think uh, you know I think Rossini I think the thing is the way they play they, they do expose themselves that a little bit they are wanting to you know have a, a significant amount or try to retain the ball in those areas um I think the, the the dual eights can be really effective in in build up and getting players into the box and attacking but you know, if you have the right kind of profile of the player, they can also be really effective pressers too. You know, they're in a perfect position to to disrupt build up and against a team like Cole that try and do so. I think it it, it is a good match for us. Um, and, you know, it, it's something that I'm sure they're used to having deployed in them consistently throughout the season. You know, teams know how Hull plays, so it's going to be a weakness there. They kind of just gambled on trying to play through it but I think the the physicality and the intelligence of the timing on, on some of those presses from from Kembe especially but also Kone you know it made it incredibly difficult for them to to really kind of consistently build up and, and play through the thirds having said that having said that sorry one last thing when they did beat the press though I, I thought Scott Twine and Liam Delap were quite effective carrying the ball um, and there were a few occasions where you know they, they were pretty unfortunate not to have punished us a little bit more um, that those just picking up the ball and, and driving forwards was, was really useful against us um, and definitely something to, to to kind of keep an eye on in terms of our start to play especially I think that's one area where Livermore looked a little bit um, a little bit stranded at times but you know again that you kind of got to pick your battles a bit too Agreed so wholeheartedly with Jordan there on the the kind of guys carrying the ball Liam Delap and Scott Twine up front obviously that was how the, the goal came about but they looked most dangerous I thought Hull for all their possession I think they had just over 60% to our 30% for all their possession they looked most dangerous when uh, they kind of broke on us you know when we were committing players high up the field they ran at us and that you know and, and Philogene obviously was um, particularly dangerous he had a ridiculous game in terms of statistical output nine shots uh, 23 attempted and 17 completed dribbles and 12 progressive runs all of which were more than anyone else on the field which you know pretty pretty high as well volume in in, in those respects in those um, metrics but yeah that was when they looked most most dangerous but I thought the thing that kind of impressed me most having sat through other games recently was yeah, the intensity with which we passable, you, you know, we talked about that kind of dreaded U shape against Huddersfield, the passing between the centre backs and the full backs and occasionally mixing it up by inviting Jake Livermore to the party as well. But, you know, there was none of that. They, as I say, um, Lewis particularly and to a lesser extent, Andrews underlapped, Lewis overlapped successfully or quite dangerously at times as well. Those dual eights, as Jordan 
framed it were really good and we just had so much more intent and purpose about everything that we did and then when we lost the ball you know in those transitions that it was exactly the same and, and Rajevic you know performed quite an important role I think in that respect as well which we haven't really seen from him up to this stage the amount of time, I lost count of the amount of times he got um, you know all up in the face of Ryan Allsop when he was trying to clear the ball and and you Okay, nothing came of it, but he certainly ensured that he didn't have a comfortable afternoon with the ball at his feet. And yeah, he was more involved in the game, wasn't he, Ryovic? He wasn't sort of just he was getting back and and sort of doing more of that target man sort of role, wasn't he? He re- he really was. I tallied four occasions. Uh, may have missed some. This is not optatom. This is not statistically definitely correct, but <laughs> optatom. I like that. On four occasions, I counted, he received the ball, controlled it and laid it off to someone else, which is probably more than he's done it in the whole of the rest of the season. Funnily enough, aside from that, everything else suffered. Um, Not a performance for the stat sheet, didn't have a shot, two touches in the box, only received four passes, only only completed one of eight attacking duels. Um, but nine of 13 passes completed and a key pass as well, i.e. A, a pass leading to a shot. And I think, you know, you see the the contrast there, right, between Rajevic, the pure instinctive scorer, and then this kind of different role that he performed where he was bringing other people into play. And we looked, um, I think we looked better for it, but there's, there's a, there's a, um, a decision to be made there probably on a game-by-game basis about how you utilise him because I, I still don't think you're going to see both sides of him in, in, in one game or certainly not at the same time. I'd like him to protect the ball a little bit more as well. Um, there are a few occasions where he had it and just couldn't quite retain. I think he turned it over seven times and you know he's, he's, <laughs> he, he did look better in some ways though. You know, he was able to, to get involved a little bit more and he was dropping a little bit deeper um, defensively too. I think he had a little bit more defensive output in this one. Um, but as you say, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't really too much threat in the box, was there? No. And again, we weren't we weren't creating a ton of those sort of opportunities. But you know, it was a, it was a good performance. I think in in some ways, all things considered, you know, opponent and the fact that it was away where we are in the season, kind of the the issues we've had and and so on, we kind of found a nice blend. I think you could definitely make an argument for it being one of the most you know well rounded performances altogether. But there were a few that. Um, they did struggle to get fully involved. I think, you know, you could say Ryovic is one. Um, also, I think Espria was a little bit quiet from that right-hand side yeah, as well. Yeah, he was. Was that fair? Was he a little bit underwhelming in this one? Yeah, I thought so. Not a game where he was particularly impactful. You're right, yeah. Just, just struggled to... Just struggle to really kind of, you know, often you want to see him drifting in from that right, you know, playing the ball through, getting shots away. You know, he didn't really touch... He didn't really get in the ball too much, only 34 touches... You know, and 26 passes all game, 65% accuracy there, no key passes, you know, just not really fully involved. Lost the ball 13 times, obviously because he's been a little bit risky with some of it. Um, just not massively impactful from from Yasser. And I think it's, it's a weird one because you, you kind of find himself in that position where he comes off the bench, does well, you put him in to start and he gets a little bit quiet from the beginning, doesn't he? So you kind of just get this perpetual cycle of him having his best performances coming off the bench in, in later parts of the game. I know we've discussed before other elements, fat or passes game that suit that that later kind of introduction. But, you know, in terms of you compare the impact he had against Norwich to 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 Tullaway and it's just it's vastly different. But he is a young player and you're gonna have ups and downs. But um yeah, I wish we could get just a little bit more out of him and and maybe try and find some of that balance and 
um, efficiency we've discovered on the left with that that kind of grouping of who Lewis, Kone and Semmer and see if we can get something similar going on the right-hand side, that'd be ideal. Mm, Ince came on for a spear on, on 65. I think for a number of reasons. That right-hand side we talked about last week, you know, Martins is still, he's still favoured on that left, driving in on his right foot. I think that's going to be hit the preference still. And, you know, I, I think one thing I, I will, I would like to give Tom Ince credit for as well is I think his game management when he came on was really good. Um, he slowed things down nicely. He played the ball well. He cleared the ball down the line when he needed to. He played off uh, whole defenders to, to win throw and slow things down. I think that's exactly what you want Tom Ince for. And in those situations, he's he's a good pro and he handled it very coolly. And I think, you know, at times we've been, we can be a little bit shaky. Um, we made subs quite early in terms of bringing on Syriata and, and Pollock. So we, we kind of made that decision with about 15 minutes, including stoppage time to go. So you really had to be you know, focused and aware mm. if you're going to start to go into that more defensive style and, and it's having someone that can come on and just be calm and collective in those situations and, you know, know what to do, um, I think really did help. And I, I, I was quite uh, impressed with, with his performance, but not for the kind of normal um, kind of offensive threat you, you look for from Tom Ince. And that change of Policom for Andrews meant that we saw Porteous on the right side for a little bit there. Yeah, it was a weird shape, wasn't it, Tom? I think... Um... We might see a little bit more of this going forward. That's two games in a row now, isn't it, where he's brought both the spare centre halves on to just try and block it up and make it a bit a uh, bit more solid. It puts me in mind of Martin Allen at Barnet when I was working there and covering them, and he used to whenever they were winning, he would put on and trying to protect a lead, he would put on another centre half, and uh, I think there's probably something. To, although it bring you know inevitably kind of brings pressure onto you, doesn't it? Because your the, the limits of your ambition become very apparent. I think um, I think there's something to be said for it when we've been a little bit fragile at times um, and had a bit of a propensity to shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't think Andrew's had his best game, did he? And I suspect that was probably why Porteous ended up out there, got booked for a silly challenge. Don't think he was the threat he would normally have been going forward it certainly felt like everything positive kind of emanated from the left hand side so I think actually it was a decent decision but you say quite quite early substitutions um, for, for Ismail certainly and then uh, Mr Kone also was substituted right at the end for Delhi Bashu has been getting a, a few more minutes towards the end of the game hopefully he can be more involved uh, I think it's probably a case of giving him a bit of fitness is that right with Tom Delhi Bashu yeah, a little bit at the end, wasn't it? I kind of, kind of, we've we've got that kind of weird squad where you have players that get kind of in and out of the team, and they they kind of almost forget they're involved, and they come you know, drifting on the last ten minutes of the game. And yeah, good to see him back in there because you know early on, first few games, you thought Tom Tom Bashir was just kind of a nailed on um, kind of player in that number eight position. But yeah, no, good to see him back and and able to be involved somewhat, even if it was what is it the ninetieth minute he came on. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, so mm. a few five minutes. Unsurprising, though, because uh, Kone was run ragged by the end. He needed to get off a, a, a bit earlier because he was uh, very, very tired, I imagine. He was running all over the shop. Um, Tom, Valerian Ishmael called it his best performance. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, he a bit like Kombe feels like someone's just had a bit of a, a, a new lease of life recently, doesn't he? He's been really, really, um, really kind of coming into his own, growing week by week. I think you can see the kind of improvement um confidence is is flowing and and again a bit like Kaimba kind of think a performance where he was impressive in and out of possession no one had more touches uh in the opponent's box than him but on the same uh by, by the same token or or a, a opposing kind of perspective he won the ball back in the opponent's half more times than anyone else won more loose ball duels than anyone else, was up there for interceptions as well. You know, I think he is very quickly becoming someone that is indispensable for us. So, yeah, it's the kind of culmination of a, a few really good weeks for him. Yeah. And not not just um, Kone's best performance, according to one particular person on this podcast. Jordan, you tweeted, all things considered, that's our best performance of the season changed my mind. Um, care to elaborate on that on that one? Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier, but just um, you know, all things considered, I think you know, opponent, the fact we're playing away from home, um, kind of what the, the, some of the struggles we've had on the pitch uh, over the last few weeks or months as well. Um, you know, we we kind of looked like we were drifting away from being quite an expansive risk taking team to one that was you know, close to getting stuck in a kind of rut of pragmatism um, and kind of losing our way a little bit. And we, you know, we, we really harped on at the beginning of the season, how we looked like we found an identity and, and that was like some sort of, some sort of ID to cling on to. And as the season went on, they started to lose that a little bit. And that game there was the, the first time that it kind of gave me a little bit of hope that we're starting to see somewhat of a blending. You know, we talked about, are we laying a foundation? You can start to include some of those elements. And you know, often those sort of conversations get started, but oftentimes 
doesn't come to fruition. But this one, you know, it, we did see some positives. We started to show a little bit of control at times. It was a game we didn't have the majority of possession. Um, we didn't have the majority of the chances. You know, we, we were the more defensive team, but we were effectively counterattacking. Um, we were still playing the ball when we had it with um, with much more intent. They looked, it looked much less improvised. Um, there was much more structure offensively, defensively, as you guys mentioned earlier on too. The pressing was good. It was a very well-rounded performance. Um, and uh, in, in terms of what we've seen, you know, we've, we know we've got some quality in certain positions. Uh, we've got a bit of a mismatch squad, some areas more than others. Um, some were a little bit under average at times, but that can lead to those sort of chaotic results and performances. But I, I think the one against uh, Hull there was was really close to being um, kind of as perfect as we as we can get in some ways um, for for what the circumstance required. So I, I was really high on that performance, and I still feel so. Tom, do you do you agree? Yes and no. I agree with a lot of what Jordan said. I was just going to say, and this isn't necessarily to run contrary to what Jordan's just said. I think the thing that was kind of most pleasing for me was that we found the way to win, and you know that's I think speaks to character and, and sticking to the plan and the kind of positive aspects of what Jordan just outlined. Because I think on another day, you know, I would sound the note of caution that that could have gone the other way entirely in the penalty goes in, heads go down, we don't get the winner. You know, they their XG, albeit boosted by a penalty, which is about 0.75 normally, most models was two and a bit. Ours was less than 0.5. Um, they had 60% of the ball and 23 shots. We had 30% of the ball and 10. Um, you know, that's a game that in another moment in this season and last season, certainly, I'm confident we would have lost. So I think it's a good thing that we won it, but I also think at the moment you can almost, and certainly when you follow on Twitter, you can see almost goal by goal going in for against Watford, the mood changes and the narrative changes. And it's all, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, I think it's still all quite fragile, even though it is only one defeat in nine. Um, You know, I saw people saying at two nil down against Norwich, um, Val out and now I'm seeing people saying after back-to-back wins and hearing people on do not scratch your eyes saying oh he's such a good manager you know this is all down to him he's brilliant blah 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 so I think that you know the truth or as always with these things in in sport in football in life probably lies somewhere in the middle but um, I would just kind of sound that note of caution that I think it could easily have gone another way and another day but we got the win and and you got to you can only kind of credit them for the get for, for doing what was necessary to get to get that get those three points and, and find a way and, and and given this run of fixtures that we were so not looking forward to i think with six points from the first nine available we're, we're already tracking ahead of, of where we'd expect to be mm. i think we're fourth in the form table aren't we oh is that something what it is around, i didn't know that that there. is quite that's quite yeah, something from impressive the then, last yeah. What five six games we've had three wins two draws and a loss which isn't bad from last six games. Um, yeah, only West Brom, Southampton, and Leeds ahead of us. One of those, unfortunately, uh, our next opposition. But we'll save that for a moment because we haven't talked about the uh, the best part, probably in in some people's opinions, of the uh, of the game against Hull, and that was the phenomenal shot from one central defender who goes by the name of Hoot. Uh, Tom, 
What what did you make of the goal? Yes, a stunning goal. I think um, it was interesting to hear afterwards that, that they kind of worked on it and or you know at least identified it as a a route to go down. I looked at um, Ryan Allsop's touch map earlier today and I put it in the show notes and you, there's a hell of a lot of touches outside the the penalty area compared to your average goalkeeper. I think. Um, that was evident even before the goal. I jotted down a couple of instances. I think um, fairly soon after kickoff, after we'd opened the scoring, he was picking the ball up well outside of his penalty area. Start of the second half, he was in the centre circle. Um, you know, it was it was kind of fairly evident throughout that that's how he likes to play. So fair play for doing, you know, whoever picked that, picked up on that and, and encouraged him to do it. My only concern now, and I say this half tongue in cheek, but half seriously as well is how many times between now and the end of the season are we going to see Wesley Hoop deciding because he's done it once, he's going to, he's going to try his luck from 40 plus <laughs> oh, yards no, again. Yeah. I I suspect it, it won't be uh, an, in isolation, put it that way. Well, in fairness, he was told to do that, wasn't he, Jordan? Yeah, I think you know this is the keeper's going to play that that game. Then you you have to at least be aware of it and, and consider the opportunity should it arise. And if there's any player on the pitch that's capable of doing that um, in a position where the keeper keeper's going to be comfortable enough to be that advanced, it's going to be if the ball f- falls to hoot. And you know the the, the fact that he dispossessed, um, I forget who I can't forget was it Delappy dispossessed towards the halfway line there, Delap, and then yeah, 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 and then he kind of gave an extra second where you kind of needed a quick turnover like that, really, didn't you, just to have that that extra little few few seconds, extra few yards. And yeah, he, he really did really did well. And I mean, also credit to him for the rest of his performance outside of the goal as well. You know, he he read the, he was reading the game really well. He kind of stepped in front a few times. He, he cut balls out that were driven into the box. I'd say arguably overall, that was kind of one of his best, or if not his best game for us, let alone the, 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 the match winning goal. Yeah, there, uh, there is a, a worry that people might get a bit carried away with that performance though and, and, and start... Um, suggesting that he's the best, I don't know, Podso defender of all time, Tom. I think we, I think we should probably quell our expectations there. Yeah, I think this is a kind of bit of a um, product of social media and the need to always come out with a strong view and, and always have an opinion on on kind of every aspect of things. He. It wasn't that many weeks ago that we were kind of concerned about how rash he could be and whatnot. And and he goes flying into a couple of challenges in that game. He catch in the penalty area, he catches a whole player and gets sent off. He doesn't he's not on the field mm. to score that goal, you know. So um I think uh he's been very good. And I think probably actually last two or three weeks he's he's really stepped it up again. But you know, there were times last season and there were times at the start of this season where he looked like a, a bit of a weak link as well. So he wouldn't be in my kind of probably top five at this point, which is not to say that he can't be um, further down the line. He's not consistent, is he, Jordan? That's probably something that's plagued him throughout his career because he has been playing at some really top clubs during his uh, his career. And, and it's obviously due to decent performances that he's put in, but he can't seem to sustain that over a long period. He does have drops and it, you know, it's noticeable when he has them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those guys in these high ceiling, low floor sort of situation where you know, he might he, he might have a, a 9 out of 10 game for 
85 minutes and then just has you know one mistake or one real costly error which can which can hurt you or he could be dominant in possession and you know change the way you look offensively as well as defensively or he can be on the other end and you know kind of diving into tackles or kind of misreading things in the box and uh, and causing it causing errors and, and issues so it's yeah he's a mixed bag but um i think you can facilitate him in ways which definitely allow him to kind of lean towards the more positive aspects of his game you know the use of the ball and so on is, is obviously a real asset that not many not many centre-backs have at their disposal especially at this level um you know obviously it resulted in a goal this time but we've, we've seen quite a few occasions as well the fact they can really help us in the build-up and, and allow us to kind of spring attacks and, and get forward especially if you start to see games that are becoming a little bit more um counter-attacking like this one as well you know it's even more useful so yeah he, he's a mixed one but i think um We've got short memories as, 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 as Watford fans, and oftentimes we can uh, overhype and, and kind of undersell some players. But that I think we'll all accept that this was a really good performance from Wes Hoot all round. A good performance indeed. Right, let's get down to the important question then, Tom. Let's settle this debate. There's been a bit on Twitter. Whose was the best goal? Was it Hoot's or was it Ishmael Asar's? Or might I even enter a couple of alternatives in Chris Eagles and Ian Bolton? I would still have to go with Ishmael Assar and it's only for it's purely and simply for one reason one aspect of the goal which is that he does it on the turn so he's already looked up evidently or aware of the situation and sort of in one fairly fluid movement spins shoots scores whereas who I think um it just felt a little bit more a little bit less off the cuff, if that makes sense. Um, but it's, you know, it's a coin toss. They're both outstanding goals. I think I agree, actually. Yeah, I think I'm on board with... Yeah, I think so. I, I'm a big fan of Chris Eagle's goal as wasn't, well. Wasn't but, nearly um, as far out, though. Yeah. No, and the keeper I, I, was kind of pretty far out. I think he no, headed the ball out and it got all in the wrong place, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so. no, I think I'll go with Sars out of the out of the bunch there. And Sars? yourself? Okay, well, in that case, I will go. Well, you know what? I I will I will ear on the side of Hoot only because he's not expected to get that on target because of his position, and um, he was carrying an out carrying out an instruction. So in that sense, perhaps it didn't seem as off the cuff. And sometimes, as you know, it's easier to do something when you're not thinking about it. And because he had been instructed to to look for this opportunity, uh, I felt like he'd probably thought, oh, this is a good opportunity to to, to take advantage of. And he actually managed to, to get it. I mean, how many times when we try and do something do we actually manage to succeed first time compared to when we just do something <laughs> and we're like, oh, I did it. No, it's true. There's definitely an element of that. There's definitely an element of that. They were both outstanding goals. The fact that we scored kind of halfway line goals in back-to-back seasons is remarkable. Good point, actually. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often, does it really? I wonder what next year's is going to be. And who is it going to be as well? Ben Hamer. Ben Hamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Not too many goalkeeper goals. Where was Ben Foster's goal? What about... Well, the one that Ben Foster conceded, I was, I was just trying to think about that one. I was against Robinson, wasn't it? Spurs, Spurs away. Poor yeah. Robinson. I was oh, there. Yeah. Have I ever said this Pretty before? Kick, I was in the Spurs. I was in, in the Spurs ends. Oh, was you? Yeah. For that. <laughs> so it's quite, quite annoying. Yeah. I know. 
had to clap Ben Foster getting lobbed by another goalkeeper. Can any of you recall when Watford last scored a, a goalkeeper goal? You say it like it mm. happens sort of infrequently enough to be mentioned. I can't remember us ever scoring one. No, I can't recall ever, no. But it must have happened at some point, right? Surely some Watford no, goalkeeper know, scored I'm at sure some it's... point. I'll tell you not what. Not in our lifetime, perhaps. Someone will know. I'll throw it out on our Twitter now. Someone will know. I wonder if Tony Coton got one. He's, he, I don't know. I don't, I, you know what? In our history, there aren't. I can't think of too many occasions where we've ever had a keeper kind of even go up for a corner no. and even come close to getting a touch on it, to most of you. Mm. Scott Loach, maybe. Didn't score, but yeah. I think... Did, did he come close? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know. I've blanked out I'm that sure period. somebody out there will, will be helping us out. They'll be researching and they'll come up with something. I, I can't think of a goal, but for some reason when I'm trying to think of a keeper scoring, I, I just had the flash of that horrible save that Pantillamon tried to make in the, in the FA Cup against Palace where he kind of oh, God, kicks yeah. into the top corner of his own net. What oh, was that? God. He was a bad, bad goalkeeper. <laughs> and and yeah. and should and should be remembered in the debate about Batman being the worst Watford goalkeeper ever, which certain people are having. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'd also add Jack Bottom into that. Not yeah. that he, um, and not that he really had much of a chance at Watford. But it, but if we're just judging performances, then that yeah. was a bad performance. Sorry, Jack. That's no, true. So, um, I mean, harsh for a youngster like that coming in. If you're listening, if you're he has listening, since yeah. gone on to be a, a decent League One level goalkeeper. Or is, is that where he is currently? I think he's at Stoke. Is he at Stoke now, at it? Gosh, that's how. Yeah, someone has Im- virtually immediately replied to say that Steve Sherwood scored against Coventry. Steve Sherwood. Oh, okay, so, fair enough. What was that 80s? Nice one. 70s, 80s. Yeah. So there yeah. Who who gave us that? You need to shout him out. Uh, yeah, should really do, shouldn't we? Darren Sear, at Darren Sear. Go and give him a follow. He's evidently a much more learned Watford fan nice than we are. And in nice fact, I'll follow him for and us. And a little um, a little bit of Costel Pantillamon trivia seeing as we're here. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a hearing, he's a hearing child of two deaf parents. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So fluent in sign language, one can assume. I'd say that, that knocks him a rank up in the goalkeeper listing. I was at um, St Albans Western Supermare recently and there were a load of children from a nearby school that is either for or caters for those with um, that are hard of hearing or have hearing issues or what have you. And they, I was so captivated by watching them, like the speed that they, can, they could sign at, thinking like, bloody hell. It's so impressive. It was more interesting. It was more impressive and enjoyable in a weird way than the game. I wonder if the speed of, of hand movement leads into the goalkeeper thing, maybe. There you go. Um, I played I played football with a guy for a year and I didn't know he was deaf the entire, the, the entire time. He was so good at the No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's very impressive. That's remarkable. Wow. That's remarkable. Not great man on impressive. there. Yeah, cool. Really interesting. Um, all right, then up next, uh, Southampton... And then Ipswich as well, another back-to-back game, both at home and um, both difficult opposition. But given that we're going into this off the back of a a very decent performance, it's probably not a bad way to enter this one, right? Yeah, I feel like if you're going to go into a game against Southampton, um, given the form that they're in, you want to to do it with confidence and and we we will have built that up. They're unbeat. They haven't lost since they went on a bit of a nightmare run early on in the season where they lost four in a row. So they're... 
uh, racking up the wins at the moment. Don't score a huge amount of goals. Don't score a crazy amount of goals, kind of one and twos, but um, they're, they're looking good. You know what you're going to get from them in terms of being a Russell Marsden side, lead the division for passes, final third passes, uh, up there for forward passes, don't go long, put a lot of crosses in. So, you know, they're a decent team. One of the kind of team uh, in the playoff places as far as expected goals are concerned. So they're going to be um, they're going to be a tough test. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised. I thought they might be, especially early on, you kind of lost so many players. Uh, Russell Martin came in so late and they've got a really, to my mind at least, really weird kind of hotchpotch of a squad now from kind of having two or three managers last season, signing a load of young players, signed a few more experienced players now. You know, it doesn't feel like anyone's squad, anyone's been able to stamp their authority on it. So I think, I've got to say, I've been really impressed with the kind of job that Russell Martin has done in, in getting them where they are and, and getting them going. Um, it's, it's yeah, definitely going to be a, a, a step up from Hull, who obviously have playoff aspirations of their own. So, yeah, really, really tough one. But you know they they should be going into it with um with, with a decent bit of confidence off the back of the last two results yeah um they haven't lost many games this season um and they they had a little blip but then they got firmly back onto it didn't they tough opposition jordan yeah i'm interested to see how we how we go into this one you know i think we probably expect them to come to Vicarage road and try and dominate the ball again um look to to control things there and maybe give us a chance to explore this kind of counter-attacking side or style that we we kind of did so well at with uh, uh, at Hull there and maybe try and replicate our performance a little bit. That's what I'd like to see from this one. Another unchanged 11, do you think, Tom? I see no reasons to change it. Certainly not. No, yeah, you've got to stick with the hot hands, so to speak, or the hot hands. So, yeah, keep keep with it. Only question I'd say maybe maybe Esprit out. Um, not, not that I would be opposed to keeping him in but I think if anyone's going to get changed it might be might be him you could also maybe look at Syriata coming back in potentially as well hmm yeah okay that's that's a good point actually Syriata has um sort of regained fitness and, and now looking like likely to to be what in for Porteous do you think if, if he's to come in then you'd expect yeah for, for Ryan Porteous well thanks a lot guys um for joining me this evening and, and chatting through that one one of the nicer ones to talk through in recent memory. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed that. Uh, hopefully the Southampton and Ipswich games are are just as nice to talk through. Um, yeah, if we can't get uh, one out this weekend, then we will uh, combine them both into one. Hope we're talking about two victories in one, although that might be slightly optimistic. But who knows? Who knows? We're in a, we're in a good moment as a... Uh, Javi Gracia used to say. All right, then, uh, that's us for for this one. We'll see you in the next ones. Uh, we've been the What For Buzz podcast and uh, have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Ta-ra. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market